We've got a special guest here at the square tonight. We've got a famous zoologist. I think it's a zoologist, right? Jack Hanna. Did well, I- well, thank you for having me. <laughs> so I brought some you know, of my wonderful critters with me. Yeah, you're off the late night uh, rounds now, right? So you're, you're working the podcast angle. Yeah, you got to get work. You can find it, you know, <laughs> wherever you can find the work. You got to get there. So Tough economy in yeah. Biden's America. Yeah, yeah Brian man. Fellows is taking over the late night shift. <laughs> what a life. All right, so I want to show you some of the critters that I brought here. You know, let's oh, see what we got wait. going on. Yeah, they've, you know? they've been hidden for us for about a half hour for the show prep, and uh, looking forward to what's in the box here. Let's see what we got first. He's putting his hand in. Nothing's biting. All right, got a worm. It's oh. a worm. Oh, it's a, it's oh. a check rain. it out. Ah! <laughs> oh, it's so slimy. It's Jack Hanna and the, and the Technicolor That's, worm yeah. here. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah. Oh, look at this thing. Looks like a caterpillar. You know that book with the caterpillar that eats everything? Oh, yeah. The title looks right. just like that. You know? Oh no! Not too many of them left in the wild. <laughs> no, it's uh. Oh, is it, does it play the drums? <laughs> Morning, Doctor. One. It's a nice fidget toy there. In all seriousness, but uh, gecko next up. Catch. Oh, gecko. Wow. oh wow! Wow! Look at this. Is that wow, is that, that thing... when unionizing? <laughs> yeah, that thing could sell you insurance. Yeah. I it saved you just, 15%, not just it, on your car insurance, your homeowners, all that, yeah, you know? I'm sold. Multifaceted right. creature right there. Wow, it saved me $100 uh, every six months. One of the wild's most fascinating animals. <laughs> what we got here? See, so we got a chimpanzee. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, oh, look at this. Curious George. Yeah. yeah. You got to be gentle. Right, what, uh, you be a you, furious little one right are there. Are you talking to him or me? <laughs> I, I like, don't I like know the, at this point. I like the diaper. It looks like it's going to shit its pants just right on. Right, he's, he's talking about me again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What we got here? Oh. It's like a triceratops. We got a triceratops. Oh. Only one left. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's walking pretty good. It's a it's a miniature it's, it's one. Singing. It's. It's mm-hmm. dancing. Here, pull that turtle. Oh no! <laughs> Give it a good yank. What? Oh, it's yeah. it's stretch uh, Armstrong yeah. Turtle Edition. Yeah, two hundred fifty years old. Incredible, huh? Yeah, it's incredible. It's amazing. That's it's 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 actually is just as stretchy as Chuck Grassley. Wow. All right, now you guys got to be real quiet for this one. Okay, okay. Right, everyone, quiet down. I know you guys are familiar with parrots. Yes. Oh yeah. Par- uh, par- I'm gonna par- lean on you. I'm gonna lean on you, Jim. Oh, Paris right. Hilton. So, shh. Now, when we wake him up. You could say whatever you need to say. Just anything that comes to mind. So, go ahead. My girlfriend works at Jamba Juice. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. Wow. That hamster will say anything that you say. That's, 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 it's a perfect congressional candidate. Soft, it's soft. <laughs> soft. Oh, right. Damn gonna, cursable animal. We're going to finish this up and we're going to have to get all these guys back in their cage. But this turtle's mating call is a little unusual. Okay. Go. Give, just right, you, pre- you got to press it in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what she says. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. We, I know. Oh, what wow. we get ourselves into? Yeah. Oh, uh, just so. kind of fill the air a little bit. You gotta shake it, it. Shake it a little yeah, gotta, bit more. Well, you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta just... It, it. All right. Clap, 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 oh, it's right. a party now. That's one sexy-ass turtle. That's a, that's a Mitch McConnell right there. There we go, yeah. 
All, all right. right, they're all going home now. <laughs> wow. What, what do you a... guys think? How do you feel about nature? Wow. Uh, feels good. Yeah. I, I, I think we should increase the rate of global warming to yeah. kill yeah. all those animals. No, that's, that's, that's not nice. It was. It's. It's. I wish we had Attenborough here to do the voiceover for everything. <laughs> well, well, respect animals. Yeah. Love the wild. Love the wild. Where, where do these We're animals live? Are, are, are they at your house? Cheek to walk. They live in the zoo. They live in yeah, the, live zoo. In the, yeah. Yeah, in the right. zoo. Yep. Okay. Well, well, thank you. Uh, it's been a while since I've been to the Buffalo Zoo. I should go check it out. They've got <laughs> some good stuff over there. Not as good as uh, Brian's Menagerie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, huh. it's a regular Kamal Ataturk over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, welcome back to the Square Podcast Zoo Edition, maybe? Who's to say? Yeah. Who's to say? Politics. It is now. Sometimes it feels like a zoo, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, we have friend of the pod, Brian Nowak, with us today. Well, thanks for having welcome. me on. Out of character, let's get serious. Let's get serious, <laughs> yes. No longer Jack Hanna. He's Brian Nowak, ready to do the analysis along with Ree. Diamond Jim. And we got Snake over here. That's right. So, we got the monkey business out of the way. <laughs> Are you sure about that? <laughs> Are you sure about that? Let's be serious. Let's okay. be serious. All right. Let's start with Eddie Egru. Nobody more serious than Eddie Egru. So, I will just say, <laughs> what goes down must come up and back down again. Right. You're going up, you go down. Life is like an elevator. Right. You go up, you right. go down. Right. It's very Chumbawamba. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Egru, uh, I would say one time congressional candidate, but many times tried to be a congressional right. candidate. Many times yeah. aspirational candidate. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Eddie Egru, who recently challenged Brian, Con- Congressman Brian, Brian Higgins in the Democratic primary, uh, lost, got his ass handed oh. to him. But it looks like he's got a backup plan. He's, he's got something else. He could not get enough signatures on the ballot for many years to, to be in the primary. Mm-hmm. But Jim, he's going to figure out how to, uh, you know, take on big elevator. Well, you know, I think all those years of trying to get signatures and not getting there, uh, he was like, you know what? Walking up and down stairs all the time, this sucks. I got, I got to come up with something better than walking up and down stairs. And he did with his own elevator company. And why, and why not? Right. And why not? You know what? Otis, elevator, get out of here. Right. All right. Um, I, I don't even know any other. Gallagher elevator. Uh, this and Krupp. Yeah, it, widely known as the best of of the. I you know I thought the market was was saturated with elevator right. companies. Yeah, but. and he's going right to elevator. He's not starting at dumb waiters. No, he's uh, going, I I wonder how much experience he has repairing escalators and ele- elevators. If he has done that in the past, or if he's uh, just said, "Well, I'm I'm smart enough to read a book about it and 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 go at it." I I heard I this is not confirmed, but that it, he actually owned an elevator business in Albania. Okay. So this okay. is not new to him. Okay. Um, you well, know, and, okay. and, you know, worldwide famous Albanian elevators. Yes. Uh, always but known as My best. question is, was it, was it a manufacturer of elevators or a re- re- repair business? I, right? I don't know what he's doing here. Yeah. If he's manufacturing or repairing right. or just riding them. Well, he's, he's, he's making graphics. I know yeah, that. Yeah. So the same people who uh, proofread his mallers for Congress are proofreading <laughs> his elevator mallers. Yes. So best best of luck to Eddie. I mean, being a Democratic candidate for Congress didn't quite cut it, but 
maybe he knows how to run an elevator. I, yeah, maybe him and Max Delapia will do it together. Well, now that would be a buddy comedy. I wish him that luck. I would watch. <laughs> I wish him luck. That would be something that I would watch. All right, moving on. Uh, not nearly as hilarious as Eddie Eager's elevators, but important. So we talk about it. Right. The investigative post. Our friends Jeff Kelly and the gang over at iPost doing the good work as per usual. And this week, uh, well, they had a story that just a bit of a bummer. Evictions in Buffalo are among the highest in New York State. Well, and not just per capita. The number of evictions in Erie County uh, in, in Buffalo was second in total number of evictions of all the counties in New York State behind Kings County. Right. So raw number-wise, Kings County had uh, about 45, 4,600 eviction warrants. Erie, well, Kings County, which is Brooklyn. Right. Um, Erie had almost 4,000, which is insane. The Bronx had 2,900. Um, Westchester, 2,355. Uh, Manhattan had 2,200. Mm. That's a lot of fucking evictions. Yeah. But you got two things going on that would kind of cause that is there's less public housing here than there is in areas downstate. And income-wise, you know, you got a lot of folks that are, they don't have as much disposable income they do in other parts of the state. Right. Well, you also, like, following up on that, the public housing is that not only do we have less public housing, but, you know, they've been slow at accepting applications and getting people into public housing here slower than what's been happening downstate. Uh, so you, I mean, so it's twofold. Like you know, there's, there's a, uh, there's less opportunity and there's a bigger bottleneck. Mm-hmm. I just like to point out, you mentioned Jeff Kelly, but this is a, this was a, a great report from I jazz jazz. Yeah. Yes. So yes. This is I jazz credit, uh, credits do. Yes. Yeah. Credit I jazz. Um, but yeah, no, this is, I mean, you know, you know, it's bad. We've, we've talked to, Plenty of our friends, Adam Bojack, being our chief housing correspondent, about how bad things are. But now you actually have, you have hard proof, right? And, what, and we, we talked about this with with Harper Bishop. We talked yes. about this with Dr. Jason Knight, with Dr. Russell Weaver. You know about the housing and uh, that the evictions were going to go up. You, know, you this this coincides you know with talking to Jeff last week about the city selling stuff at the foreclosure auction and keeping the money and like taking title to, to stuff you know all these vacant properties that they could redo something you know we saw uh, I think it was just yesterday I saw on Twitter our friend Rob Galbraith talking about how the city is selling an old public school on hurdle it's the last public school property that they own and they're like the list price was like 350,000 for a public school you know Again, you know, somebody's going to buy that and turn it into, but instead of turning it into, you know, low income or market rate apartments, they're going to turn it into high income apartments because it's, it, yes, it's on the west part of Hurdle, but it's on Hurdle. This is a crazy thing. If you look at other countries, what they're doing, they got much more public housing than we do mm-hmm. in other countries, especially going into Western, Central, Eastern Europe. I mean, there are models for how we can do this better and just don't even want to get started. It's just frustrating. Well, it's, it reminds me, it makes me think of too, of like we talked about, it was like a month ago or maybe two months ago now, that um, that developer in Lancaster is going to be making single family homes that's going to be subsidized by the city and the east side. And again, the city is where you should have dense, dense housing. And the city is taking it and rather than investing and, and going, all right, well, we should have more density for housing and we could have more public housing. We're going to have 
public-ish housing. I mean, it's going to be subsidized by the government, but it's going to be single-family housing mm-hmm. in the east side, and they're going to be they're going to make them at like three hundred fifty thousand dollars a house. They're going to market rate is going to be like forty five thousand for over there, and the city's going to take a bath on it, and it's only going to house twelve families anyways. My favorite part of this article was they were just darkly funny that the remote courts, as a result of COVID, ended up making it a lot easier for landlords to send in these evictions to like the, the town courts. So they didn't have to appear in person. They could just do it all remotely. And a bunch of people, as a result, got kicked out of their home. So all these things that were meant to make people safer, these COVID restrictions, in a roundabout way, ended up making people a lot less secure in their homes. In their homes. No bueno. What else we got, guys? Well, we get, let's, it's, we're always on the union beat. Yeah. And uh, Lexington Co-op. Speaking of beats, the Lexington Co-op. Now, you say co-op. It's not a workers' co-op. It's right? not a workers' co-op. It's a it's, farmer's co-op. Right. It's, right? It was, more or less. A, it's a, you, you can, it's an ownership co-op. You buy, you buy in. You buy in and, and yeah. you get, you know, you don't actually get, like, dividends. I don't. I mean, maybe you get very small dividends. Yeah. I think more you get, like, percent off, like, every mm-hmm. so often mm-hmm. if you're an owner at the Lexington Co-op. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works. My sister's an owner, and she put me on her number. So when I lived on the street from the Lexington <laughs> right. Co-op, I just used her number the there entire time. And I used Jim's number. So I got a question, because this I was going to get to this later on, but you, you brought it up. Did she get a letter in the mail or a phone call to ask about a vote? I, I don't know, because she's been working. So she works for uh, one of the utility companies, mm-hmm. and she's been working second shift this uh-huh. week. So I don't know if she has... I, 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 I actually texted her to ask her about it, but she's you know she's been just going to sleep as soon as she gets home, uh, so I haven't heard back from her. Because to our knowledge, there hasn't been a vote on how to how to react. Right, but there has been a response ownership. from. There's been a response. There's been a, there's been it a response. Sound like it was a democratic response. Right, yeah. and this is exactly what I'm getting to is that you know the Lexington themselves put out a whether it was a letter to members or or owners or a press release or what have you, basically saying. We're gonna we're gonna respect their right to have a private vote and do the union that way. Well, did you check with the owners? Was right. there communication with them? It doesn't sound like there was. I mean, if you're gonna do it democratically, like you were saying, maybe that's the way to go about it. Um, I I don't perceive them as as anti-union compared to Amazon or right. Starbucks. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Well, and and help me out because Jim, we were talking before the show. We we're trying to figure out. Um, you know, a lot of people on on Twitter, the Twitter sphere, which is not necessarily the the whole population of people, but it's enough, and probably a fair amount of our listeners um, are, are pretty aggrieved that you know the co op decided to go this route that they would honor a secret ballot, but not the cards, and they seem to think it's an affront to the union's rights. Um, I have some trouble wrapping my, my head around that. Like you said, Brian, if all the owners were consulted, you know, that would be one thing. Um, but what, what is it that, why is it so problematic? Well, I mean, I think, I think that one of the big to, things to, to the, you know, I think one of the big things is that like, given the timetable, there's no way they contacted the owners, right? I mean, they were presented with the, the union cards and the, and the notice that they were, they were going to push for uh, unionization early in the week. And then like, Within like forty-eight or seventy-two yeah. hours, this letter went out right. saying that, "Oh, okay, well, we're gonna we're going to recognize their right to a secret ballot, as opposed to just recognizing the union, which was an option that they had. They could have just said, okay, we recognize that you have a union now.' Right, and and that's where, like, you know, for a, an organization to, that you know is 
yes, there's the the hurdle location, but like you know, primarily has been in Elmwood Village. I mean, used to actually be on Lexington, isn't anymore, but used to be right on Lexington, uh, and has grown, but you know, comes across as a leftist organization and that it promotes progressive ideas instead of just saying okay i guess we'll, we we have a union now they said ah eh, prove it you know and you've got a board of directors there that are elected by the owners so if there are owners that are unhappy with it they can always vote against those mm-hmm. individuals in the future or run for positions themselves so it's not like there's no recourse for anybody that disagrees with the strategy being taken to this point yeah, I mean, look, they certainly have the right to form their union. They certainly, you know, obviously, like, if they if they view the conditions at the co-op to be as such that they they want to do that, that, that is the right to do so. Um, the co-op, to me, is a kind of a unique business model where, again, they're not like a... Um, they're not like a Tops or Wegmans. We were talking before the show about this. They're not like a Tops or Wegmans. They're more like, really, their competitors like Trader Joe's, right? Is that the lane? I mean, I guess. I mean, they're part of like a national coalition of co-ops. Okay. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, the, these co-ops, whether they're in Buffalo or they're in East Aurora or they're in Vermont, um, they do similar like weekly specials. They, 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 they use like joint purchasing power uh, to as these, as these co-ops. Um, and so maybe there is some pushback from like the national coalition that there's concern that this would spread. I, I think that cat's out of the bag, like too late, right? Like as Starbucks said, if Starbucks like couldn't put that cat back into the bag, I don't think a coalition of co-ops who generally, if you decide to buy into being like a part owner of a co-op, you are not like a staunch capitalist. Right. So, you know, like I think, I think it's too late for that. Uh, but yeah, like, I, I don't Wegmans is different. Like it, you, if your competition, if you're the co-op is probably maybe it's Trader Joe's, it's probably more Wegmans in Buffalo because like of what you actually offer and that you're also at a higher price point. Like, like you don't go to the co-op or Wegmans if you're low income. Trader Joe's has a lot of deals. You don't go to Trader Joe's if you're low income because they're nowhere fucking near you. Cause, and that's intentional on Trader Joe's part. Like they didn't Trader Joe's isn't where price right is across from Stuyvesant apartments on Elmwood. They could be. And they're and they have lower prices. It's not like they're it's too expensive for that market, but they they want to be lower price, but like for like people in white people in the suburbs. That's what that that's what their goal is. Yeah. Right? And they're like home goods except for food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd just be curious to hear what, I mean, what the stated rationale is behind, you know, it. it's a much different, a stated rationale from both sides, by the way, of the private vote versus like the caucusing, but also of the folks on the, the labor side, what kind of conditions yeah, that they're facing. What prompted them to, yeah, well, right? Because, I mean, look, when we talk to the folks at Starbucks and if just- If anyone have, out there is listening can put us into contact with someone involved in the effort, let us know. We don't well, because, I mean, look, we, we've been in Starbucks, we've, we've seen- um, I've certainly seen like the TikTok videos of Starbucks and the crazy mm-hmm. drinks that the baristas are forced to make. Yeah. I can at least wrap my head around that, um, that they had working conditions that, you know, caused them that prompted them to say, okay, you know, we're going to do this. Uh, this one again, it's their right, but it, I'm, I'm like, man, is the co-op, is it so bad or is it more like, Hey, this is something we ideologically are driven towards. Well, I'm, I, 
Well, I, I guess maybe ideological, because like I'm not so worried about whether it's so bad. I mean, it's whether or not look workers have this right. But I do know, like when I did live on Lancaster Ave, which is literally the street that the co-op is on in in, in Elmwood, there was always signs that they were always hiring. And also, one of the things is that you know, because it was the closest store, not just grocery store, but like any store for anything for me, you know, I would go there before work and get my coffee, and I you know I stopped there after work and pick up groceries and often the same people were still working the, the register well i worked an eight-hour day i had to stop and get coffee before i got to work and then it took me a while to get after work it's a long day that means that these people are, are th- that these individuals were working at least nine to ten hours presumably shifts. on their feet right presumably on their feet and often you know with the, if they weren't just they weren't just sitting at the register because if there wasn't nobody to check out then they were helping stock shelves or do mm-hmm. or, or clean or do stuff like that mm-hmm. you know is that incredibly hard? I mean, it's not easy, you know. Like being on your feet, although that are, like, and like it's so so tightly packed in. Like I don't like I don't even know if there is a room for a stool for them to sit down. But like people who think like it's easy just to you know work a register, you try being on your feet for eight hours. Yeah, I, I remember when I was working for a private company, I had to go work a convention in Indianapolis, and I was on my feet for ten hours. And the owners of the business were like willing to take people out for like dinner that night and like pay for like a big dinner. And hardly anybody went. Like personally, like my knees were swollen from yeah. being on my feet for that long. Right. Though like even with the promise of like a free $150 dinner, I just slept in the hotel room because I, I needed to recover. Because if I had that dinner and then didn't show up at the convention the next day to work, they probably would have fired me when I got back home to Buffalo. Yeah. And I needed to like rest up my legs so that I could actually do it again the next day. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, again, I, I don't know. And I don't, I also don't know because the co-op to me is such a unique business model that I don't know, you know, like how this impacts their viability in the market versus their competitors. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't I, know. I mean, that's why, like I said, like they're more like uh, Wegmans, maybe even like more like a Whole Foods is an appropriate. Yeah. And they're like, generally, if you go to the co-op, either location you're not going there because like you're very particular how many cents you're spending every week on your groceries it's it's more of almost like a luxury grocery store you know i mean i know like that's not some people might not want to hear that but like it's more expensive for pretty much everything Mm -hmm. Uh, a part of it is because like like you can't go there and get a coca-cola they have pop or soda or whatever the hell you want to call it but they have like organic like small market like they have four bottles for like seven dollars right four 12 ounce bottles for like seven dollars it is a luxury store essentially so like you know if even if they have to and i'm not sure that they have to raise uh, prices if they have to raise wages but even if they do i don't know that it affects the co-op because it's not price right it's not the tops on niagara street where people have to buy things and they're always looking for the best deal. You are going there knowing that you're like, yeah, I could stop somewhere else and get a breakfast sandwich for $4 and I'm paying seven at the co-op, but you don't care. I mean, I guess I'm giving away how much money I was making for the county <laughs> that I was saying I was going to the co-op well, two days. Presumably, two presumably it's better ingredients. It's probably better for you. Right. Well, right? yeah. And, and, and you can find deals Like there's stuff on sale. You can find deals, right. but like, it was like, it was, it was, it was worth it to me and Mike particularly. It was like, because it was so, so close, close, it was, it was inconvenient. 
not only did I have to not travel, but also like right. then I was buying all my produce every single day instead of buying it yeah. and like letting stuff waste or having stuff sit around. I was just buying produce each day as I needed it. In other sports news, yes. Well, this wasn't sports news, but this is we're recording on Bills Football Sunday. The Bills lost. <laughs> you know we, we've won? we've been on this beat for a couple of weeks now. <laughs> you know who won? Diamond Jim called it. He called it. He called it. And and you would have made a lot of money yeah. off of Jim if you had yeah. gone to his sports book and you had wagered a fat sum on the Bennett Bulldogs. Yep. You would have you would have made out like a bandit. Instead, Jim pocketed all that cash. He's yep. flush with it. Yep. That's I'm um, t- turning it all into cigarettes to sell to the kids at Canisius. Yes. <laughs> Jim Jim uh wisely the, the, Jimmy the Greek. Uh, uh, I'd say Lancaster needs it after this loss. Uh, right? well, you know, well, Lancaster gets them a little stronger than cigarettes. <laughs> Bennett Bennett just uh took it to Lancaster football. Yeah. Bennett, uh like I said, you're like you know, they they were forced to vacate those wins, but they were given a spot in the playoffs. They were said, Okay, well you still qualify for the playoffs. And I said, well, they'll they'll probably just walk through the Section 6 playoffs. And uh, last week, they obliterated Orchard Park in Orchard Park. Yeah. And then this week, they went back to Orchard Park, but this time they played at the big stadium, and they beat the shit out of Lancaster. They beat them 36 to 10. Wow. Damn. And, uh, you know, and, th- and I think it was like 36 nothing at like halftime or 30 to nothing at half. Like, it, it, was, it was never a close game. It was like by the end of the first quarter, basically like, well, I, you know, I would have started paying out the uh, the sports book on the Bennett's bets. It was just a matter of the over under carried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, congrats to Bennett football overcoming adversity. The odds, mm-hmm. the nobody, nobody believed in us. Mm-hmm. They all doubted us. The, the whole thing, Jim, the comeback narrative. Right. So, so officially, Bennett has like six losses because they had to vacate those wins. Uh, unofficially, if you look at the scores of those games, Bennett's undefeated. Oh, wow. So, so it's going to be interesting as Bennett now advances through the state playoffs. You know, next week they go play in Rochester. They play the Rochester Section 5 champ. Um, they'll probably technically be the underdog because, you know, according to their record, they're like yeah. three and six. Right. Yep. Uh, but, you know, technically nine and oh. Technically. Yeah. Yeah. I'll worry about technicalities later. So, uh, so, yeah, so they're undefeated. You know, now that the, the, all the rights have been wrong, uh, uh, all the wrongs have been righted, ball don't lie. Uh, <laughs> Bennett it wins section six. But you know what? I'm not going to get off of the Bennett beat. I'm going to, I'm going to ride the Bennett train through this, the New York State playoffs. I'm here for it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will follow the Bennett Bulldogs. Don't you worry, listener. We're, we're, we're the high school sports podcast. So if anybody knows where I can get a uh, a Bennett High School football jersey without also jeopardizing their playoffs by like contacting the school directly. <laughs> Just hold off on it. Be patient. <laughs> you know? Frame it. Put it on your wall. All right. Maybe maybe we could take some of our, uh, uh, our Patreon money and do a name, image, and license deal with the Bennett High School football yeah. player. Okay. Okay. I like where your head's at. <laughs> I like where your head's at. Well, you know, they say politics is kind of like sports, but the participants are much, much, much less athletic. You watch the news, it is. And it's also, I mean, you really don't get the the rush of fulfillment when you see somebody do just some cool feat in politics. Usually it's just like some guy talking. 
or or gal. I or, I, I will say you you say that, but when they declared Washington three went for the Democrat, this I I felt just as excited as the last time I saw like Bonaventure win a basketball game. All right, that's fair. That's fair. The wins. Hey, listen, the wins are just as sweet. I'll yeah. I'll say that. You know, we did have uh, we did have some some big wins for the Dems. That's the how national. about Lauren Boebert, huh? Yeah. How about that shit? Boy, that was sweet to see her lose. Right, I'm right. Still counting. They're still counting. Oh, they're, still still counting? they're still counting. Oh. Yeah, she's, da- she's up okay. about eleven hundred right now. Well, she's but up. Not done. Okay. Okay. Uh, her her opponent there can pull that off. And there okay. was there was a district in Colorado that flipped unexpectedly. Yeah. I mean, okay. You know, it's good to start with the whole national narrative here. Right. There's supposed to be this huge red wave. You listen to the the conservative pundits. Oh, the Dems are going to gain twenty five, fifty, maybe sixty seats in the House. Right. That's going to happen. Oh, they're gonna, they're, or the Republicans are going to win that. The Republicans are going to win the Senate. Republicans are going to pick up this, that, and the third. Well, quite the opposite happened. First, they didn't account for the youth vote, baby. Youth vote came out. But in terms of gains, Dems have gained a seat in the U.S. Senate so far. They've gained a governor's seat, probably going to gain two. Mm-hmm. In state houses, they flipped the Pennsylvania State House. They gained the trifecta in the state of Michigan, both House and Senate there. In the state of Minnesota, they flipped, I think it was the House, it might have been the, the Senate there, but Democratic Farmer Labor got a majority in one of those two chambers that they didn't have before. I mean, you look at gains in Nevada and in California and other places, it was just, it, it was a damn good night for Democrats. And it wasn't thought to have been that way. And why? You know, they underpolled abortion. And, yeah. you know, people were talking about crime and, and inflation. The, 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 the whole Lee Zeldin thing, just right. yelling crime at people. Oh, yeah. my God. Right. Well, How it's, it's fucking the, absurd. The other thing is that, like, so they keep saying, like, oh, inflation, inflation, inflation is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But they looked at, they, they failed to look at, at, at the cross tabs and look at the, the secondary thing. The majority of people in this country are blaming inflation on greedy corporations, mm-hmm. not on the government. Right. And this gets to why Katie Porter is going to go, be going back to Congress. She did a great job. One of the best representatives California has ever sent to Congress. She did a great job laying out how... Corporate America, the largest companies, have basically caused inflation. Yep, right you know, on. and they're the main driver. Right and on. I won't get. I, I can get into that. We should have a whole episode about how we, we maybe uh, do a about companies have done that. At some point. But you know, going yeah. back to abortion not being caught, you can see that through the ballot measures. There were five ballot measures that I'm aware of. The pro-lifers lost all of them, including Kentucky including Montana, every single state they lost. In Michigan, there were counties that voted the Republican for governor and voted for the pro-choice mm-hmm. side of that measure there. Well, also, you know? in- inflation was inflation crime. I mean, crime has been the Republican uh, marching orders for the past 50 years, as Jim has said in the past. Mm-hmm. But that was the tune they're singing now. Look, it, it is unbelievable just the cadre of kind of sickos and freaks the Republican Party has put out as their front face and they have attacked trans people attacked you know lgbtq folks teachers mm-hmm. like they've basically just like the most like a front to your sensibility type of people i saw a campaign ad that that fucking weird nazi looking guy blake masters put out oh, uh, where it's just him with a silenced pistol out in the middle of the desert shooting it into some uh, pond somewhere right it looked like yeah. an outtake from barry oh, okay like God. he's just like like absolute disgusting vile people that they put out and they thought oh okay well we're gonna sing to the choir we're gonna there are a lot of musical metaphors for some reason this week <laughs> but we're gonna keep just doing being on this um weird it's it's almost like people when people said that the dems 
were too online circa like 2018. It feels like the Republicans were too online. Mm -hmm. The CRT, the, you know, everything was like- They were way too up their own ass. They were way too up their own ass. And then they tried to present that to your normal voters who are like, no, we don't want to talk to you people. We don't want to deal with this. Normies spoke. I mean, I commented, I made a mention of the Washington Three earlier, but like, you know, so like Joe Kent, who's a Republican there, who lost a district that 538 said 98% of the time the Republican wins that district. And he was there because the incumbent Republican voted for the impeachment against, uh, uh, or not voted for the, but to indict uh, the president, Trump. And so Trump you know, backed this Republican challenger and mm-hmm. Kent, all of his ads were that, uh, what's her name? Uh, Marie Gluson Camp Perez. Um, we're going to, was going to bring like trans people from Portland, Oregon and have them move to Washington. <laughs> and like, and like he actually did like a mailer of her, like driving like the, uh, the Portland mass transit into like Southern Washington and like bringing like trans people to there. And people in Washington are like, look, like, you know, we remember Rambo. We're fucked up people here, but, like, we're not that bad. <laughs> I, I just, uh, you know, the national narratives didn't pan out. Uh, it, in fact, was not a red wave. Um, I would say, would you say it's a blue wave? I wouldn't quite call no, it No, no, no. It's, uh, it's. I, it's not a blue because the blue like the the Dems like they, they picked up a house and and uh, they picked up a governor's mansion. Um, they they held pretty strong even in fucking Kansas. Yeah. Uh, they mm-hmm. they held the governor's mansion. Um, What's the best midterm uh, during a, pre- a the incumbent party's term as president in what seventy some years? Yeah, or very, like yeah. That? I mean, um, I mean, you know, realistically, and we'll get to it. Like they would have held the house if New York State didn't fuck oh, up so bad. Yeah, um, and so. Like, I don't know that I would say it's a blue wave because like they didn't like they didn't like crush like they just, it's not like they picked up like four governors' houses and they didn't pick up a bunch of Senate seats and have but if like starting to the negative maybe it was but I mean but like look at the end of the day like even if they pick up they even if they win they run off like they only get to ignore one of the two problematic Democratic senators right like they still need one of them to vote for it right um so like it's it's not like they just cruise and like they'll they'll be okay um. You know, betting odds, still pretty good chance that the Republicans pick up the House, uh, which is going to make, uh, like, you know, the debt limit a nightmare. Right. You know, but it's, you know, uh, Stephen Colbert made the joke that it was more like, like, kind of like a pink wash. Like when you, you put your MAGA hat in with your white robe <laughs> oh. in the washing machine. But the, the way the Republicans <laughs> right. gain the House, they're looking at, the, they may have two, 219 seats. Right. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the slimmest of majorities. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like nobody can resign and take another office and nobody can die. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And well, and that's the thing is like, not only that, but even if they do have that slim majority, the remaining Republicans are not going to be in lockstep. I, I well, that's a, you're already seeing, uh, you know, with Republicans, calls for Mitch McConnell to step down as majority leader of the Senate. That McCarthy shouldn't be Speaker of the House if they get major the majority there. Um, I mean, look, they, they are they are rioting because they expected that they would have a solid majority and it's going to be literally as thin as majority as possible if they hang on I, I and you got some of the people like uh jim jordan from ohio he's he's suggested he would support mccarthy like they're trying to right. get it together but you got people that have never been into elected office before they're going to be showing up good luck right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and because they picked people in those seats who have never been they they picked the far the furthest right people for their new membership. 
those are the people who are most likely to not support a Kevin McCarthy. I just yeah. want to say nobody can die the next couple of years. Uh, it's a good thing that the Democrats are so young overall. Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a good, very good thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's been it's been a while. Honestly, it's been a while since the Republicans have really had their asses handed to them. Like, I know it wasn't a blue wave, but they man, what they were expecting and what they got it. Uh, it it yeah, did not. Since what? 20, 2006. Right. 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 And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and and like immediately after people are like, well, the Republicans are going to win the majority. And they also won the majority of the popular vote for the House. And, you know, people who I respect who follow national politics were saying, like, hold up. There are a lot of votes to count, especially in California. And like California is over one tenth the population of the United States just by itself. So before you say that, like the Republicans won the, the popular vote for the House, let's make sure we get all the votes counted. And as we're counting all the votes, it's going to look like the Democrats won the majority of the votes for the House again this year. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like basically, yeah. you know, going alongside, you know, most other things that Pretty much for like the last 30 years, the Democrats have won the popular vote. A lot of MAGA chuds uh, complaining online how long it's taken to count votes. I'm pretty sure it's always taken this long yeah. to yeah. fucking count votes, especially in close races. Right, yeah. It's, it's, it's kiss it, my ass. Yeah, it's, it's very fast to count all the votes in fucking like <laughs> Kentucky because like when you only have 80 people who voted, like yeah. it's, yeah, like, like, and that, and that includes the thoroughbreds at Churchill Downs. <laughs> well, let's take off our, our national pundit yeah. hats here, gentlemen, because, you know, there's a lot of other fine folks out there qualified to talk to you about the national political stuff but local political stuff i mean other than you know jeff kelly and ken crewley and, and some other good people but we're the ones come on man you're listening to do our we're, podcast we're the irreverent ones we are the ones we we you know we put the salt so- we put the hot sauce the spice yeah we have the spice Paprika. okay you know i'm a human guy human human i like the human why not both mm-hmm. is it tar whatever spice you like it's us Right? A lot of hype. Mm-hmm. We're the hype. we're the hype. We're the sauce. Mm-hmm. We're the good stuff. All right. So locally, uh, not quite the blue wave either, Jim. Well, I mean, that's true. I think like, but what you have to think, and what what I keep saying all week is that the state Democratic Party, Jay Jacobs. Shit the bed totally about as hard shit. as you possibly totally could. Shit. We'll start with the head. We'll start with the head here. So I th- I actually think that ECDC, who, if you've listened to the show for the last two years, know that I've been a pretty big critic. I actually think ECDC did just about as well as you can expect when their own state leadership shit the bed as bad as they did. You know, like, um, you know, like okay, they did not win the clerk's race in Erie County, but they did... D versus R, they did win. Mm-hmm. It was the conservative line that carried Kearns to the clerk's race. And we'll talk about the working family stuff in a little bit. Um, but, like, I don't know that they would have gotten Hartman across the line or not. But, like, you know, D versus R, they, they did their job. They and, they and, you know, there was a turnout issue in the city of Buffalo. Again, the Republicans did what, like, we, we often say, like, the Democrats, like, get, the Democrats didn't run against anybody against, like, Senator Gallivan, right? Out in Elma and Wyoming County. Should they have run somebody? Maybe, but they would have got crushed. And maybe you wanted to press turnout out there because Gallivan is popular. And the Republicans did do that in in the city of Buffalo. They Peoples had literally nobody running against her. And uh, Kennedy didn't have a Republican. He had a, like some whack job who ran on independently on the conservative yeah. line against him. So the Republicans also did that. And they tried to suppress the vote in the city. 
And it worked. You know, the city vote was like 28,000 votes lower yeah. than last. Like, if those people come out, there's a good chance Hartman does win. Uh, but, like, I don't know that I want to blame the the county committee for the fact that the state didn't then, because, like, people's had no race, they didn't tell her she had to spend money or force her to do anything. They just let her just not do anything. Uh, you know, Kennedy spent money, but not on himself. He didn't, like, force bring people out. Uh, you know, and, you know, and we're going to talk about, like, the state Supreme Court. Well, Larigo did win Erie County. They, they, they did pull that part off, which is surprising because nobody knows who the fuck Sharon Hannigan is, and Joe Larigo is, you know, one of the more famous names in Erie County. Well, let's, let's, talk, let's talk first a little bit um, about the legend of Zeldin yes. in Erie County because, you know, the rest of the state of New York, not so much, but here in Erie County, boy, they love them some Lee. They, well, he lost Erie County. He lost, he lost, but what was the final margin? The margin in Erie County was the same as it was statewide, about 52.9 to 47.1%. Okay. So Kathy Hochul got just under 53 in Erie County. And just under fifty three statewide. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, listen, you you say you know same margin. I hear you, but in Erie County, well, there are Kathy pockets Hochul, in Erie County, right? Well, there are pockets in Erie County. Kathy Hochul's home base in Erie County. Right. In in a in a vacuum, would you have put Lee Zeldin to be in that close of a margin? Um, I don't know. I I don't know. But again, like, I'm not. I I I don't lay the blame at ACDC's feet for that. If if Erie County, if if Zellner was so bold to tell Jay Jacobs, get fucked, I'm running all your stuff for your statewide candidates in my county, like he would have ended up like like you know he would have disappeared. Like Jay Jacobs would not have let that happen. Like there's no way that could happen. Like he has to follow the state party's lead. The state party is the one who fucked up Erie County and fucked up the all the entire state. That's it's not like it's not like uh, look. I don't, like I hate that I'm being like an apologist for Jeremy Zellner right now in ECDC, but like you're being nuanced and that's fair and you're I, right. I mean, like they, it's not their fault that the state party fucked up the entire state so bad. I mean, you know, like, uh, just like they didn't, you know, they didn't help to make sure that, that her base in Erie County was strong. I mean, they didn't put fucking yard signs out until like two weeks before the election in, in anywhere, especially in Erie County, and try to generate any kind of enthusiasm. But like, they also didn't support their candidates in Brooklyn. They didn't support their candidates anywhere. It's true. I can't argue with that, and nor would I try. I mean, Sean Patrick Maloney, who was like, you know, chair of the Democratic Congressional Committee, lost and they did no. They did nothing to help him either. Moving on, I, I we're not moving on, but I guess slightly moving in the same direction. We'll talk about first the Kearns race, yes. the Kearns Melissa Hartman race. Egg on our face, Jim. Um, There's a lot of Kearns hate going on. Yeah, I want to go back to Kearns in a minute. Can we zoom oh, yeah, out? Please. Can we zoom out. out to the 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 state other state races because a lot of them mirrored. And we'll get back to Kearns in a second. A lot of the state results mirrored Erie County, like Schumer, um, Tish James, and DiNapoli. DiNapoli's numbers in Erie County percentage-wise were about identical to what they were statewide. Um, Schumer underperformed a little bit in Erie County, but it was a, it was 
about on track. And Tish James didn't do as well in Erie as she did the rest of the state. Um, then the, we can get to the Environmental Bond Act later, but it, it makes sense to understand that perspective. Like statewide, you had basically 55, 45, 56, right. you know, for that kind of thing. And now we're looking at the county clerk's race in Mickey. Well, what I, I want to quick, quick, again, this reiterates what a failure that New York State Democratic leadership did. That like DiNapoli and Tish James for all intents and purposes, didn't have a race. I mean, there was a Republican on the ballot, but those people did not campaign at all. The state Republican Party spent no money on them. You know, like, and... They, just a couple of Mr. Potato Heads. Just, there, they were just, like, to be on the ballot because they didn't want to give a absolutely free ride. They got l- way lower than they should have. Like, they, Napoli and Tish James both should have won, like, 70-30, yeah. given that, like, they... But, again... The state didn't, Jay Jacobs and the state, the Democratic Party didn't go to J- Tish James and say, hey, you have a million, a zillion fucking dollars in your campaign account. Spend some of it to bring Democrats out to vote, bring mm-hmm. people out. DiNapoli did spend some money, but all he did was fucking yard signs. He didn't actually do like TV commercials or anything, or maybe he did a couple of them, but like he did very little. Uh, they didn't say, you, we need you to help bring people out for the Democratic line and bring, and, and force people out to for and, this. And there's one last thing to think about to really understand what this turnout looked like statewide. You can go to the State Board of Elections website, see the election results by congressional district, and the numbers are there to calculate what the turnout was. If you look at districts 23, 24, 26, you're looking at turnouts between 50 and 56, 57%. So Higgins got majority of the voters in his district to show up and vote. And then the Langworthy race, you're looking at 57% of voters. So it's mid-high 50s in a lot of the um, outside of the city of Buffalo. But you go to the districts in New York City, uh, New York 14, where AOC is the congresswoman there, turnout was 31% of voters. District 13, 29. District 15, 25% of registered voters. So that is part of what happened here, why every statewide Democrat is getting under 60% in a state that there's two Democrats for every registered Republican. Maybe less than that at this point. With mm-hmm. the blanks are number two now statewide? Yeah. Good. Wow. Did they just completely miss the mark that Kathy Hochul's election could be somewhat competitive? Like, did, or did they just calibrate this completely off? Or was it just a matter of they knew it and they didn't care? I mean, just like we talked about, like, the far right and the Republican at the national level uh, sniffing their own farts. Like, I think that Jay Jacobs, like, like oh, we, we just, we, we obviously win. We don't have to try. Um, uh, well, that was Cuomo's whole, whole thing, right? And, and the reason we're in this mess is because of him. Well, but, but the, say what you want about Cuomo. He certainly campaigned. He was certainly okay. a campaigner. Right. I mean, he was always mm-hmm. his campaign ads. Yeah. Were always right. Out. I mean, but, I don't want but, I don't want to sound like Paladino saying like. But you look like at we need re- we need more people like Hitler. You look at the but re- like. <laughs> but you look at the redistricting numbers. That's the Supreme Court. That's Cuomo. Right. That, yeah. I'm just, that, that's I'm just looking at cause and effect here. Yeah. Right. Those Jay are his Jacobs. But right. So, but you you know, half a million fewer Democrats showed up in New York City, and there's one or two ways to look at this. You can say. Well, if abortion was a national issue motivating Democrats to show up, because remember, the pro-choicers won every single right, ballot measure. Right. We're pretty solidly protecting abortion rights, as we should in New York, and I won't get into the, the right. that lecture. Um, 
The other thing is, is that we didn't have a good answer for bail reform, and we did that recently, and that was a, a New York mm-hmm. unique issue. Mm-hmm. You can look at it as those kind of issues things. In Iowa, they had a Second Amendment ballot measure. In Nebraska, 15 an hour. Marijuana legalization was on the ballot in some places. We just had this. Psychedelics. Yeah. In Colorado. It, mushrooms in Colorado right. by the slimmest of margins. Yeah. So we didn't have that kind of stuff motivating turnout in Syracuse, Buffalo, those kinds well, of I, mean, I, I will say that when we've had ballot measures at the mm-hmm. state level, the state Democratic Party hasn't had. Have a, doesn't have a great record of supporting them anyway. So. Recently, right. with, yeah, which, right. with the redistricting, you know. Yeah. But the other side of this is that when you have 30, 29% turnout in congressional districts, that's telling you that, you know, what did those congressional dis- uh, congressional representatives do? I'm sure they did the best they could, but, did I? you know, it's, I mean, it's a New York-specific problem of why we're dealing with getting under 60% anyways. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair points, Brian. Um, but I still think that, like, Man, I, I don't think that Jay Jacobs or Kathy Hochul were really aware that it, it was too damn close. It was too damn close for Kathy, um, too damn close for a lot of the Democrats here. And here in Erie County, it was not. I, I just like to add something. AOC made a, a good tweet. You know, she wants she she's calling for Jay Jacobs to, to quit, and he obviously put someone up against her, who a very popular candidate. And I think you know you saw a lot of these more progressive people win across the board in, in, in other parts, you know, you have Fetterman in Pennsylvania where the counties drifted blue and we drifted red here. So, you know, I think they're, they're just, they're, they're just another group of folks who have their head too far yeah, up their it, fucking ass. With the Fetterman thing. I mean, you know, I'm, I want to get outside of my usual orientation and argue they're devil's blame, advocate a lot of blaming this stuff. Leftists, so please. understand the perspective I'm coming from on a lot of things here. It's not, necessarily what i believe just making the argument with the fetterman thing he already ran statewide once he was from western pennsylvania Mm -hmm. he had a national fundraising network so was it really the leftist stuff or his progressive side or was it just geographical and he had a base and Mm -hmm. you know it's there is another way to look at that to say that maybe that's why he won and his opponent was from new jersey i would argue the leftist stuff yeah i'm I'm actually kind of with you brian as i think the leftist stuff is more to um kind of soothe the left wing of the party into voting for him, frankly. Like I, if you talk to Maurice Mitchell from Working Families Party, he makes the argument that 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 Snake was getting into there, and there's there's something to be said about that perspective. But it's it's true. Both things can be true and playing, you know, at the same time. Look at Tim Ryan versus you know? Fetterman. I think look at that. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's more of a milk toast centrist, Tim Ryan. Yeah, Fetterman. I, a little I, more I, progressive. I, I do right? think that there's there's probably also some uh, validity, that's the way I'm looking at validity it. to the argument that when you run like a, a Tim Ryan or you know, or you run a Kathy Hochul, who's basically like you know most of their campaign is well I'm not a Republican. Yeah, but like, I'm not. I don't have crazy left views. I'm just not a Republican. Well, you lose a lot of enthusiasm. They're Republican light, right? And you know. Where Republican, like you know, we talk about the congressional districts, like you know, like Langworthy, he brought out a lot of Republican enthusiasm, brings out the vote. Well, Kathy Hochul, she won because basically because there's just sort of a huge enrollment advantage for the Democrats in this state, mm-hmm. not because, I mean, you, to a person, there are very few people who were enthusiastic about voting no for one's Ka- Kathy Hochul. I mean, they're like, yeah, I mean, it's essentially like Joe Biden. Like, why well, I hated the other person more. So basically you had, what, four or five candidates on the ballot statewide, governor, attorney general, comptroller, U.S. Senate, and then you had the ballot measure. Of those things, Hochul got the lowest percentage above 50. Yeah. Everything else outperformed. And it was a referendum against her, so you kind of expect that. But I just, I mean, you're the top of your ticket, I mean, 
got beat up pretty bad. Right. And like we mentioned with Jeff last week, and, and the, the, the post-general filings aren't out yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hochul ends up with having a bunch of money sitting in her account that she didn't use. Whereas, like, I also would be, I, I fully expect that when we get the post-general, Zeldin's campaign will be in the negatives, and he'll have to raise some money and get more donations to pay off debts. Uh, and Hochul might be sitting there with like $10 million that she didn't spend. We broadened out our focus here, but I want to narrow in because, you know, we were obviously pulling for Melissa Hartman to win her race against incumbent Michael P. Mickey Kearns. However, she was quite unsuccessful in doing that, Jim. Well, she was unsuccessful. Quite unsuccessful. She didn't get crushed. I, I mean, it was 55-45. Yeah, but Mickey, she is a relative unknown. And she only had one line versus him having two lines and being a pretty popular and pretty well-known individual who was being essentially cross-endorsed there. So we've got two. So, uh, again, this is not. I, I, I think I, I, there's a the reason why I thought like that the ECDC was trying so hard and taking it so personally is because they recognize that Mickey is a very hard person to unseat, that he is generally pretty popular he generally doesn't say like he may think and he definitely aligns himself with the people who say the garbage things but he doesn't say them himself and so like not in public not in public at least yeah except, I mean, so, except on tucker carlson well right, yeah. he is a he is a very very hard person to to dislodge and you know, like it's 55 45 but like what were the results with steve seashan closer well, marinucci was closer but i mean part of what you had happen here is voter turnout in the city of Buffalo was down a little bit right. in the suburbs and in in the outskirts of Erie County it was a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Not for nothing, to your point, Jim, 11, 11.5% of that vote came in on the conservative line. You're talking over 38,000 people that voted for Mickey on the C line. That's a lot. Yeah. it's No, it's, it's a big deal. However, we have now, within the past couple years, um, and again, two events do not make a trend, but... Just keeping an eye out for it. We had two Democratic primaries where we had a relative unknown insurgent. I know these are two different contexts completely, but I just want to point it out just so we keep an eye on it, or at least think about it a little bit. Two unknown insurgents in kind of low turnout primaries, I would say, who ended up winning their primary and then ultimately losing the general election. Um, Losing the Democrats, supposedly, who were supported by the right. Well, right. So again, you know, there are India, some similarities there, right? India Walton versus Byron Brown, um, and now we have you know Mickey Kearns versus Melissa Hartman. Wildly different context, and yet kind of similar results. Is there anything there, Jim, or am I just pulling this out of my ass? I mean, ass? I mean, in India's case, eventually, because he was guilted into it, Zellner said the right thing and said, "Okay, well, she won the Democratic primary. I guess we support her," but didn't actually put his money where his mouth is. As we talked about last week with Jeff. He was putting all of his money in. All of his chips were in on Hartman. He was definitely supporting. Like, he did not sandbag Hartman whatsoever. I mean, they, they were giving money hand over fist to Hartman to support her. They really wanted to unseat Mickey. Whereas, like, with India, they were basically like, well, if you win, good for you. Well, a lot of the, listen, a lot of the same people that were supportive of India Walton were also supportive of Melissa Hartman, at least in the primary. Um, a lot of the, the leftist flank of... Western New York and Buffalo specifically were hardcore 
anti Mickey Kearns. Uh, you know, we had a friend of the pot, Harper Bishop. He was on the show around that time. Um, was like stridently anti Mickey Kearns, yeah. as we've been as mm-hmm. well. But I'm just saying, like, we've had a lot of vocal support from. I, I will say the other thing that's different is that going into the primary, because Byron assumed that he was going to win. Right. He didn't ask to be on the Republican line. He wasn't actually guaranteed to be on the ballot in November. True. Kearns was was trying to make it so that he had no race in November. Mm-hmm. He was already given the Republican conservative lines. He just wanted the Democratic line because he wanted to be Jerry Greenan suddenly. You know, if you if you look like by the cities and by the towns, and I don't have everything here, but I just want to kind of paint a picture for you. So four years ago, Mickey got around 27% in the city. He got over 29 this time, and that's because of the turnout was down a little bit. Overall, he got more voters countywide than he did four years ago. But you take a look at a place like Amherst, where Karen McMahon got uh, around 77, 7,800 more votes than her opponent. She's the Democrat running for assembly there. Mickey, he ended up losing the town of Amherst. But you look at West Seneca, and Burke wins that by about three percentage points. Kearns wins there two to one. Kearns outperformed Hochul in Hamburg. Kearns won in Aurora, even though Hochul won in Aurora. In Chittawaga, it was about 50-50 between Hochul and Zeldin. Kearns won that by 4,000 votes. So Hochul's lead was like a little over 300. So, and, and there was that kind of stuff going on. Amherst for the towns was really the exception to this. Every other place, Lancaster, Marilla. I, well, I, I, oh, yeah, I want to get to the Patriot Party. That's why I had yep. it. Kearns <laughs> did even better there. I mean, but, just across the board. I, I, I think part of that is that, you know, the Amherst with Supervisor Culpa mm-hmm. really bought into the Hartman campaign. You know, we talked about when we talked with Hartman yep. that, you know, like Culpa's the reason she ran. So they really bought in and, and really supported it in Amherst. And look, I think it's pretty well known. This is not a dirty secret that a lot of the town committees in the Democratic Party are a fucking mess. You know, Lancaster is a total mess. West Seneca is a mess. You know, like West Seneca, like you know, 20 years ago when I first started doing politics around here, always voted Dem and it was a solidly Dem town. And now it's, it's flipped and it's, it's pretty solidly Republican other than like particular candidates that they like. Um, you know, and, and it only took Burke like eight years of like, you know, giving money to the sheriff's department and, or the police department in West Seneca to start winning the vote there. And here's another one, town of Tonawanda. So Hochul wins that by 4,400 votes. Kearns loses there by 300. So it was basically 50-50 Kearns versus Hartman. Hochul killed it in the town of Tonawanda, did much better. Yep. So Mickey was grabbing Democrats, people that were voting for Hochul, Schumer, even Tish James. They'd vote Democrat on all those, and then they looked for the conservative line. They were one of those 38,000 people. Right. And, 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 you know, Mickey somehow has been very good since he's been in office at, like, towing this line of, like, I'm, you know, I got the Republican line, I get the conservative line, but I'm an independent and I'm still a registered Democrat. Um, and Hartman, despite having been up until recently a Republican, didn't get any crossover votes from Republicans, it doesn't look like. No, and I mean, listen, we talked to, we talked to Hartman, you know, we like her, obviously we supported her and we, we encouraged our listeners for whatever that's yeah. worth to you to go out and vote for her. Um, at the same time, I I know there were ads, Jim. I know there were, you know, a lot of ads. And 
going on around that time. I said it felt like the tenor of Hartman's campaign had changed or she, I don't know if it was more centralizing, like moving towards the center, which it's weird to say about a fucking clerk's race. It just, but it, it just, it didn't feel like she had the same energy for the general as she did for the, um, for the primary at the very least, like the groups that were so enthusiastic to unseat Mickey in the primary, it didn't feel like that energy was there for the general. I, I think that part's accurate. I, I think I think the campaign was just like what was officially coming out of the campaign and what they were spending money on, what they were doing was just as strong as what they were doing in the primary. I think that kind of like what we saw with India last year is that the progressive groups that supported the primary kind of felt like, well, we won and you didn't win yet. It's not over yet. You know, like, you know, like it's, it's kind of like, you know, like celebrating at the three yard line and somebody and, and Don Beebe knocks the ball out, Leon Lett. Like it's, you, you <sighs> didn't quite we're get using it. old Bill's references right, well, today. Yeah, not, yeah. Not the game we just watched. Uh, it, it was bubbling at the half yard line. It, it wasn't, it wasn't quite <laughs> over yet. Um, and so like, it, it, and that, but that gets back to, uh, to me, a lot of the state party failure to s- spend the money to continue to get the motivation out there and to, to maximize the enthusiasm. I'm and also... Quickly, on the idea of getting you know some of those conservative voters on the outskirts to, to vote Democratic, you can look at the town of Eden. Kern's got 2,500 votes there. Hartman got 1025. Nothing against her. She's on the Democratic line as the Democrat. People vote party line. Right. You could put Jesus on the Democratic line there. He might not win in the town of Eden. Right. And she's the supervisor. She's right. the incumbent yeah. supervisor. She's the incumbent and supervisor. Right. I mean, she would have done... Maybe better if uh, when uh, when uh, Czar Poland cars was running everything, if we had let Marilla and Alden and Wells join Genesee County, maybe she would have won then. The nope. Patriot Party would have been over there then, huh? Yeah, you know, and it, to to make the point here, you know, town of Hamburg, Kathy's hometown, forty seven percent she got. Selden won Hamburg. Notably, notably to me anyway, uh, and not to go too long on this current thing, but we had her on the show recently, so I think it's worth talking about. And it was a big race. Uh, Notably, there hasn't been as much of rending of garments and gnashing of teeth and everything that we saw in the primary. Like Kearns won, it was to little to no fanfare. You know, it just was like, oh, okay, Mickey won. Whereas in the primary, it was like, oh my God, you know, Mickey Kearns is the next um, you know, great evil, and if he takes over, and I mean, listen, we think he's a shithead, and we think he's terrible. Don't get that twisted. But it just feels like the energy for that was like, eh. well, th- there were there were big concerns on the ballot, right? Like, you know, if you're if you're really worked up about one thing, or you can only pick one thing to be worked up about, are you going to be more worked up about Mickey Kearns at as a county clerk or Lee Zeldin as your governor? You yeah. only have so much energy to. to out and because again the state and jay jacobs fucked the state election so up so bad like you had to be more worried about lee zeldin potentially being governor and you're like we'll deal with mickey kearns at some point well another south buffalo boy done good pat burke defeated sandy magnano yes we uh we said it was going to be close jim we said we said he was in for a bit of a dog fight we did not know he would win but my God, he did it. Yeah, he did. I know you talked about that. If if after he wins, if it's not if it's not a blowout, you know he's liable for maybe a primary yep. or certainly for a general election. Yep. You know my thing on the the primary thing is like I think he wins any primary easily because as we talked about with Jeff, he's easily as far as the, the local state delegation the the left most member. 
that wins primaries. What it, who are they going to run? They, if they, they're not going to run somebody for like the ECDC and the state Democratic Party aren't going to endorse somebody further less left than Burke. Certainly, especially if Jay Jacobs is still around, they're not going to be like, yeah, we'll endorse the DSA working families person against Burke in that district. That's never going to happen. So what you're, they're going to primary him in a Democratic primary with a blue dog Democrat. That's a good way to get your ass kicked and waste a bunch of money. I was going to say, I don't know how you go to the left of let's legalize mushrooms and nationalize oil companies. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, and, uh, you know, municipal broadband. And municipal yep. broadband. Right. Which the People's Republic of Jamestown is apparently yeah, working right. on, those godless right. commies. Uh, I, but the Burke thing, I mean, you, you, you know, you look at the towns that he, he's got a portion of Orchard Park. He lost that by 275 votes. In the West Seneca, he lost that by 520 votes. So how did the guy win? Got Buffalo in the district where he pulled ahead a few thousand votes. Uh, looks like twenty eight hundred or so. Maybe the numbers are off there, but he did that Buffalo portion of the district is what carried him over. He's got Lackawanna too. Right? He's got like, part of Lackawanna yeah. too. Him and him and uh, Rivera share Lackawanna. Okay. Uh, I mean, and Lackawanna is like sixteen to one Democrat to Republican yeah. enrollment. So and, he probably won there too. Yeah, and you know, and he won. Like, look, he's not he's not South Buffalo's most favored son, but Seneca Street loves him. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the, the, that part of South Buffalo, like the like the Abbott McKinley area, like they're willing to vote against him because he's not one of them. But like Seneca Street, if you ever look at some of those results, it's like Stalin esque, like the the numbers that he pulls in out there. <laughs> it's crazy. Like like it, it, nobody should be pulling those kind of numbers. Like, but he they pulls. I'm just imagining like the Kearns Burke split valid, <laughs> like which is probably a lot of people in South Buffalo and yeah. certainly West Seneca. And that's you think about what these ballots looked like. There were thousands of voters throughout Erie County that said Democrat, 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 Mickey, Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. Yeah, thousands of them. Whether it was Burke or it was a split between Wallace and Mickey, yeah. or if they were in Amherst and said I'll take Karen and Mickey. Right. You know. Or, or they're in Amherst and they said, I'll take Sean Ryan and Mickey. Yeah, well, they got him. They so, got him. So, I, But I do agree with your point about the general election. If I'm Pat Burke, I would be fundraising right now because I don't think, you know, just under 53 to just over 47 dissuades the state Republican Party from coming at me in a presidential year when they expect to, like, be running, you know, mm-hmm. DeSantis or Trump. Well, I don't think anybody was more surprised, maybe than Pat, because, and I'm not telling tales outside of school here, because Jeff Kelly said this on Channel 2, where Pat texted him earlier in the day, like, I don't know. I don't know where this one is headed. Uh, actually, what, uh, according to Jeff, what Pat texted him was, I think my goose is cooked. Goose is cooked. That's right. Yeah. The goose was cooked. So Pat himself thought, like, oh man, he's in dire straits. Right. Um, so turns I, out he had just watched, been watching Top Gun. Right, right. I, 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 come on. <laughs> Jesus. I, I say this to say that uh, Pat, Pat wasn't like in on this long con on the rest of us. Like he was sweating. He, yeah. he was certainly sweating. Not that you shouldn't in any election, really, but he was certainly, he thought he could lose that day. Yeah. And yeah, I think that might be a message to him for the next general, like get your ass fundraising. Yeah, now, maybe. Yesterday. Uh, yeah, I mean, cause, you know, because the next race we want to talk about is Monica Wallace. Who did do you know, two years ago on election night? It looked like she lost, but we knew the Epstein's were going to come in, and we see, and she eventually pulled in front and won re-election. This year on election night, we knew she won, but it was closer than the Burke Magnano race. Yes, and mm-hmm. unlike Burke, she spent two years fundraising, 
and doing the right things in her district. She worked. She, she worked, worked the ground hard. Yeah. Now, looking at the numbers in that race, so the 143rd, it includes the glorious town of Cheektowaga. It includes a portion of the city of Buffalo, Lovejoy, Fillmore, uh, some election districts there, and it includes some of Lancaster. So let's leave Cheektowaga out for a second. Monica leaves the city of Buffalo ahead 380 votes or so. Then you can count Lancaster. She lost that by 569. So she's at a deficit going into Cheektowaga. This the town voted for Hochul, thirty thousand voters. Hochul won by three hundred, basically fifty fifty. Uh, Wallace won the town uh, somewhere eight to ten percent. She did pretty damn good. And but this gets back to you know part of your point and what I was saying about the Wallace campaign was that instead of focusing on crime or inflation, the Wallace campaign was saying I'm here to protect abortion rights. Yeah, I got and, a couple mailers to that effect. Campaign, or she did TV commercials about it. She mm-hmm. was all about abortion rights. So this is going to be an issue. This is going to be the issue. And and she also knew that it helped that she knew her opponent had like the most abhorrent view on abortion rights that you could possibly have and you know be alive in the 21st century. So she ran on that and forced that to be the issue. And... I think it's what carried her to victory is that people responded to that. And I appreciate that because there's this strain in some corners of the local committees that you can't be too aligned with the more progressive side of the party, Mm -hmm. that you can't be too upfront about things like abortion rights. Or if you're somebody that believes in gun control, you can't do that. Or you can't be too loud about LGBTQ rights, so on and so forth. It's reassuring to me, and it, I don't make a big issue of it as the primary thing, but abortion rights is something that's pretty important. We should not be litigating this as a public policy thing. I know Dr. Oz said, you know, it's between a woman or doctor and the local politicians. The local politicians shouldn't be involved, or the state or the feds. Right. So to see in my town that historically has really gravitated toward that right to life party, that there is a recognition that yeah, we're gonna let, we're gonna leave the government out of this decision. That's I, I feel a lot better about my town. Not that I felt bad, but it just that's reassuring to see. Well, and, and you know, to talk about like these li- these supposedly leftist ideas, but they all poll very popularly. And it reminds me of like 15 years ago when I was first getting into the Democratic Party and the only person who would accept me was Mickey Kearns and that should have been a lesson to me right then. Uh, <laughs> um, and... I, he was running a primary against Byron Brown, and I was like, you know, you have to be in the pride parade. You have to do this if you want to run a Democratic primary. And he goes, well, you know, there's like 30% like would never vote for me if I was in the pride parade. I was like, 70 is more than 30. And that's the same thing with abortion rights. Is that like in New York State, it's like 70% of the people think that abortion should be legal. And Monica Wallace was like, all right, 70 seems to be a lot higher than 30. You know, like <laughs> basic math. Right. Basic you know, math. I, I, I'm not Neil deGrasse Tyson, but like, like I have got a pretty good idea here. That, and she's like, so she's like, I'll just hammer this thing. That seems to be much more popular than anything he has. But it, it goes beyond just that the mailers and the TV and that other, the social media ads. She was out there going door to door. Yes. She was going to events. Her team was canvassing. Mm-hmm. They were doing all of that retail style campaigning that you have to do. The stuff that helped Mickey win. Yeah. You know, I'd go to events and it's just me and Mickey sitting at a table. Well, one in particular that comes to mind, I'm like, oh, I don't want to see you. But I mean, he was cordial enough, but he was out there doing that kind of stuff. Well, and not for nothing, by the way, we were talking about the campaign finances. Her opponent, Frank Smircheck, 
did no fundraising, like hardly any. Um, maybe in hindsight, maybe him and maybe <laughs> Mike Crocker might want to look in the mirror. Well, I mean, there, there is Not, something to be, too late for Mike at that point. I but guess, yeah, but, but there is something to be said about like then like that district like. I get Monica is going to do what she did the last two years, which is probably fundraise and raise $200,000 and have an absolute dogfight again in two years. Right. Because like if the Republicans, if the Republicans took all the money they spent on Sandy Magnano and focused only on the Monica Wallace campaign, that race is probably a lot closer and maybe flips. Right. You know, but they themselves like were disoriented and split the money. And part of it was because like, yeah, we talked about like how like Pat doesn't make a lot of friends among the local Democrats, but he is the most left member of the Democratic delegation around here, which means that all the Republicans hate him more than they hate anybody else. Yeah, they do go after him. But yeah, no, Monica Wallace takes it down in a, in a nail biter. It felt like not as close as last time, but right. still still pretty close. Um, one that was not a nail biter. We thought it was going to be a lot closer for that state Senate race. But Sean Ryan slam dunks it. Sean Ryan absolutely just dunks uh, multiple times on. Ron Ball Rock was playing. Yes, Ed Rath. Right. It was nothing but Ron Ball Rock. Um, and we know Sean, and we know Sean can hoop. So, right. but it, now this is interesting to me. So, like, you know, Sean, notably last year, was one of the few Democrats who, after the primary, came out and full throated endorsed India Walton for mayor. Correct. And, you know, people are like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you've got redistricting. You've, you've got some suburbs in your district. Like, it's, it's not going to work out for you. And they added Amherst. And they put him in, in the Thunderdome with Ed Rath. And he obliterated him. Well, and it's funny you mentioned India Walton, by the way, because I heard Ed Rath campaign ads where mm-hmm. they explicitly said that Sean Ryan supported socialist india walton in buffalo for mayor yes you heard that right a socialist in buffalo and that's what the ad said verbatim and they tried to nail that to sean ryan and boy did that not stick right no it 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 didn't uh and you know and if anything again that gets back like you know sean what didn't come up play despite what maybe local dsa tried to say as like Republican light. You want to talk about this, Brian? I, I I'm going to talk about it, we'll even if nobody else. But but we'll talk about uh, it. Um, he didn't try to come off as like Republican light. He was like, I'm going to give you an actual option against the Republican Party. I'm going to I'm going to stand for some left issues. Hey, turns out that's a winning strategy. Weird. You know, I mean, weird. And, and it's not like it's not like the Republicans didn't spend money on that Ed Rath race. He was all over TV. He was all over radio. They had tons of fucking ads for Ed Rath. They really wanted to to, to grab that Senate seat. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about the Sean Ryan healthcare thing is Sean Ryan, I would really love to see him be much more supportive of that health sure. act. Sure, me too. Uh, there's a lot of good that he does, and people are paying way too much for healthcare in this country. There are too many people that don't have it, right. and you can work out the kinks on that thing. We, good God, just come on, just, like get this done, you know? Yeah. Well, it's... My thing with it is that, like, you know, if you want to oppose Sean Ryan because he's not going to, he, he hasn't voted for the, the health care, which he should vote for. I mean, we all think that, yes, he should be voting for that and that it's important and it maybe should be a priority uh, that people vote for it. Uh, but if you want to oppose him for that, oppose him in a primary. Fight up, do a primary against him. Do that. 
when it comes down to November, and literally your two choices are Sean Ryan, who is going to support and vote for 95% of the stuff that you want, right. and Ed Rath, who not only is going to vote for 0% of the things you want, but actively fight against them, and you go, ah, same person. That is why you have people like Jay Jacobs and is able to get people who might be willing to work with people on the left where they, if they get elected, fight against them and fight against them in primaries is because they go, Sean Ryan literally came out and gave money to India Walton last year and stood with her and said, okay, you won the Democratic primary, I'm with you. And he stayed out of the primary in the Democratic primary beforehand, even though Byron was the endorsed Democrat in the primary, but he stayed out of it. And once India won, he stood with her. And yes, he hasn't been as supportive now that he's in the Senate of the governmental health care as he was when he was in the assembly where he was a sponsor of it. But you're like, well, he's not voting for this one thing. He must be, we, we have to get rid of him. Again, try that in a primary, do that in a primary, not in a general election where it, it actually matters. And also, to that event, like that is where you are going to alienate people because, well, one, you're going to alienate people in the Democratic Party who might work with you because you're saying, if you won't do everything we want, then you're not compromising. You're not giving us our stuff. When your com- your idea of compromise is give us everything we want, which is what people on the far right do. <laughs> it's it's about coalition building, and there's right. there's so much good that Ryan does. He brings money back to the district. You know, the constituent services piece his office does. You know, they've got a lot of W's to rack up on that side. You got a coalition built here, especially in our part of the state. You know, we can't do a politics of subtraction over here and think we're going to beat back the the right wing, which is. Right, they're doing, but they're do better. They're doing better in local elections. Right, and Sean Ryan is. He, he, look, Tim Kennedy obviously it raises more money than anybody else. Like he's he's like the Catholic Church now, okay. <laughs> but Sean Ryan is the one. He also raises a bunch of money. And if it comes down to say next year when it's local election races, during the primary, they're both going to stay out of it. But if a more left candidate, a DSA, a Working Families Party candidate, wins a primary, and they're going to a general election. Tim Kennedy is still not going to give you money, and Sean Ryan probably will. And, yep. and on top of that, he may send his staff out to do, to, not every weekend, but maybe once or twice he might send them out there to help you out because he will support you and he will work with you. And to be as short-sighted as the local DSA was about it, to say like, well, you know what, he won't vote for this this one particular thing, which, yes, I agree, is probably the most important thing going on uh, other than maybe reproductive rights currently with the national uh, fervor that you have the Republicans going. To, oh, so just don't vote or or maybe even crazily vote for Ed Rath. Isn't like that is how you have like, again, no friends and, and nobody ever works and, with you. And right. And you, you had the working families line alive in this race, which can we can pivot into the WFP piece of all this. You know, if if you felt so strongly about this, one option was to cast that vote for Ryan on the WFP line. They've made no secret about how they feel about that legislation and the advocacy and supporting right. candidates that do that. Um, I'm not saying that that strategy of writing in healthcare now is obviously wrong or absolutely should have went along with that. It's just, I mean, if if the goal is to coalition build and get things done, you know, I I can understand the criticisms of that strategy. And for people that care so much about it, you know, I've got a mom that's going through cancer treatment right now, and it's frustrating to see enough votes in both legislative chambers that can send that that mm-hmm. bill to the governor's desk yeah. and to see it, it's not happening. And you can't blame one state senator or one member of the assembly for it, but when somebody lives in that district, they could do right. whatever they want with their vote. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 
I actually, I, I think that, and maybe this is like some real politic type of stuff. I wouldn't be surprised maybe if the next year or two, if you continue to push on those things, is your best chance to get that vote to go through because there's a couple of years before a governor's race and it gives Kathy Hochul a couple of years for other things to foment for to be topics. Yeah, I don't think Kathy is going to take my call. Please sign that bill. You know, so right. yeah, no. some other hoedown <laughs> councilman is going to have to put a call in about but, that. But, but I, I think the... the I think now is the time that you can accurately pressure. And, you know, again, like you're right. Like Sean did take the working families line. He was one of the very few people in the local state delegation who did take the working families so line. Do you Most have a of list them, in your head that the people that did of so, working families? Yeah. It, it was Conrad in the assembly and Conrad, then Ryan took it and Kennedy had it, but he didn't have a competitive race. Right. Um, Rivera had it. And Rivera had it. it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, and it's like, you know, Rivera and, and Ryan also, endorsed india walton last year after she won the primary and you know and gave full-throated endorsements rivera to the point where even his father who's a common council member didn't do it uh but john as a state assembly member did do it um interesting that conrad thought it was worth uh, reaching out and of course you know i i always have a very like i'll take everything that tim kennedy does with a grain of salt (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned real politics, uh, politics there just a second ago, Jim, because, you know, we talked about maybe the Republicans would have wanted to sandbag Joe Larigo's campaign for judge and, uh, you know, is to hold on to their majority in the county ledge. Uh, didn't work. Well, they lost Erie County. They did lose the, Erie County. The, 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 I, I talked about the Erie County Republicans maybe wanting to sandbag Joe Larigo and they lost Erie County. Sharon Hennigan won Erie County. Unfortunately, there are seven other counties in that uh, Supreme Court district, and Larigo made up the votes there. Yeah, I'm looking at the State Board of Elections site. Give me just a second here to pull it up. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Larigo got 10.56% of the total vote here. Hennigan got 86 so, yep, he came in fourth out of five, which, or fifth out of six, which means he gets a position. Yep. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Good for good for little Joe Larigo. He's a judge now. He's inexplicably a judge now. Not not just a judge, state Supreme Court. It's not like, it's, it's, it's not like he's like uh, justice in the town of Alden. So, I, don't want, I, I know you, I, I don't want to say Marilla because I know you got stuff in Marilla you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I got so. very little on Marilla. But, <laughs> so who do they put in to uh, replace my favorite county legislator? I mean, probably Sandy Magnano, right? Yep. The one that won West Seneca. Yeah, the, yeah. One, that, the one that won West Seneca. No, not by much. I mean, you know, Burke shouldn't feel bad about it. Any Democrat would have had that struggle over there. Zeldin won West Seneca. Right. Um, no, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if it was Sandy Magnano and she brings her special brand of legislative initiatives to the county <laughs> legislature. Oh. What, a, what a wonderful cocktail <laughs> that surely would I, be. I, 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 talking about the county ledge, I mean, it's, it's next year is, or we're on the clock now for county ledge races. I expect that the Republican, the minority leader of the ledge, will probably be Frank Tadaro out in Lancaster. Not super excited about it, but... no. Going mean, back to the WFP situation, uh, what were, were there stated reasons from candidates why they didn't take the line? Because the, the general sense I got had to do with uh, with the questionnaire. Yeah, I, I I didn't get any hard answers from anybody that I talked to about why they right. didn't seek it out. There was a little bit of insinuation that uh, 
that there was some push from the state Democratic Party to punish the working families for like having the nerve to actually run their own candidates. Um, which, uh, as it turned out, there's going to be more working families candidates in the state uh, legislature than there were prior yeah. because uh, they were successful downstate and did well. Right? Didn't end up hurting um, Wallace or Burke or McMahon this year. Mm-hmm. But if I were them, now that we know working families will still be around uh, in two years, I think I might go out of my way to ask for them in a presidential year to get that line. Uh, I think it was a hell of an experiment to run because now you see it's possible, especially in the Burke race, because he had one single line. You know, Wallace Mm -hmm. did have a second line. Not too many votes came in on it, but that they were able to do that with just the Democratic line, essentially, and and be successful. The theory that voters won't switch over wasn't proven true in those particular cases. We we saw this uh, three years ago right with polling cars and not taking the conservative line, basically testing out like, can you, can you just win it basically being a straight line Democrat? And that C line, that one's tougher. Yeah. You know that Mickey proved how much weight that thing has. Yeah. Yeah. Working families certainly flex their muscles this election. And I would be surprised if in the future, you know, it's going to be a lot less palatable for a Democrat to turn that down. Um, Seeing how, how much of a factor it played in a lot of different races. Um, even if it's it's not quite a protest vote, I mean, I've seen it likened to saying, you know, look, we don't really care for what you're doing as the Democrats, and we want to let you know that, but we also don't want the Republicans but, to win. Uh, you know, um, our boy, Rusty, had a thread on Twitter this week about the Working Families Line in New York State, and in every single county of New York State, the Working Families Party got more votes than there were registered members of the Working Families Party. They outperformed in every single county. Some counties more than other, thanks Ithaca and Tompkins County. Uh, but um, you know they outperformed in every single county. By the way, Ithaca with a DSA yeah. there, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the Conservative Party overperforms mm-hmm. compared to their enrollment. And you, so you're, I think you're right. Like It's going to be harder for Democrats to not actively not not just get the the working on this line but actively seek out and have to maybe alter their platform um if they're more if they're more jay jacobs right well right 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 and and which is like kind of crazy to think about because we talk so long about the conservative party and having so much sway kind of being you know the straw that stirred the drink for the republicans that you know the fucking tail would follow the dog or however you say that phrase right. but whatever the concern the republicans would have to follow what the conservatives did and nobody's saying the wfp is, is anywhere near that point yet but it's gaining in power it's gaining in popularity mm-hmm. and it's gaining like the democrats really have to pay attention the the statewide democratic party certainly all the local parties will really have to pay attention to what the wfp is saying now and it could trend where the wfp is you know, leading the Democrats in a lot of different directions. I, I mean, I think I think that's probably true. Like that, they'll they'll exert more influence. Um, I think you're correct that it's not quite to the point where the conservative party is. You know, famously, like in the uh, Langworthy Paladino race, conservatives endorsed Langworthy first, and so like and basically put a lot of Republicans in that district in a bad spot. Where if you vote for Paladino and Langworthy is still on the ballot. You might have Max Delapia be your congressional member in 
one of the most Republican districts in the in the state. No, no, I guess I'm voting for Nick Nick Langworthy, whether I want to or not. Um, and you know, they did the same thing at the for the governor's race, where the conservative party said Lee Zeldin's our guy, and then the Republican party at the state party had a rally behind Lee Zeldin, who at one point was pulling like third, uh, but they 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 were able to rally together. I don't know that the Working Families Party, like you said, is to the point where like they're going to start dictating endorsements, but they might in certain districts downstate, and it, certain districts in the city of Buffalo challenge them at your own will. You know, like you know, I'm thinking like the Niagara district. If the Working Families Party doesn't endorse the Democratic Party candidate for uh, Niagara district, good luck. I mean, as we saw in the in the India Walton in both the primary and the general, she crushed it there. So good luck in that particular district, uh, you know, being able to carry it without the Working Families Party as your support. I mean, not that like I, not that a Republican's going to win, but like you know, like they could certainly start to to push put their thumb on the scale a little bit. And their influence is going to be regional for both of those small parties. Like yeah. the conservatives would do really well in some towns and some places, and the Working Families Party isn't going to do so well in a place like West Seneca. Somebody can just take the Democratic line and hope hope to get out of there. Right? Know? Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I mean, there there actually might be some. I don't. I don't know that the Working Families Party, because it's such a benign name, hurts anybody in any town in particular. Uh, it's not like the old liberal party that used to exist, which might actually hurt somebody if you are running in West Seneca. Working families, great branding, by the way. Right? Yeah, gr- fantastic branding. But like, you're it's it's you're certainly right. It's regional, and like you know, look, the working families party is going to have more influence in the cities and throughout New York State and the urban areas, just like the conservative party has more influence in the rural areas or the suburban areas. Yeah, working families had some some big wins and. You know, I don't foresee them gaining, uh, losing any less popularity. I also want to mention, though, that the Republicans, not to take it too broad nationally, because again, um, you know, we're we have the local spotlight here, but I do, I do want to say that what we're seeing on the national level from Republicans now, the sort of uh, fallout of the Republicans not winning to the degree not really winning at all, but certainly not winning to the degree that they were hoping or expecting to is that there is a huge divide down the middle of the Republican party between the establishment DeSantis wing of the Republican party and on the outs, the MAGA Republican Trump wing. And what's interesting to me is that on the, the, the local or well, the New York state level, let's start there where the conservatives threw in their lot with Zeldin, who was not frothing at the mouth maga not at first did later in the campaign throw his lot in with those folks I mean, um, he was always maga enough like he didn't vote to certify the election right he endorsed trump you know he, so he he it, was he had some of the maga bona fides but he wasn't like he wasn't andrew giuliani he wasn't andrew giuliani neither was again we we've talked nick langworthy to death um maga enough but he wasn't carol paladino so it seemed like they were reading the tea leaves on some level, at least the conservative party was a while back. And we're like, Hey, uh, some of these dumpster fires really are toxic for us. Yeah. And if we keep going down this lane, uh, we are going to really take some big losses, which the Republican party writ large throughout the country did the MAGA fucking trash heap is really what repelled a lot of people away from the Republicans. And, and so yeah, you part of the reason the Republican you know, the MAGA trash heap, um, fl- you know, flared up so well is because 
You had uh, Democratic super PACs and PACs that were funding the crazy candidates and th- throwing logs on the fire. And like, oh, wow, this, you know, it's <laughs> fire's going great. This candidate won the primary over the, the quote unquote more moderate person. And that's part of the reason Democrats did so well in some of these places, because Nancy Pelosi has a PAC that funds a nutcase. The nutcase wins the primary. And all of a sudden you're either voting for the nut job or the other person. And a lot of Republicans said, I can't stomach this. You know, I guess I'm voting Democrat or staying home. So I think that's all. We got anything else here, Jim? I think, uh, you know, we can we can come back to Marilla at a different time, Brian. Uh, we could we, I th- we could do a whole Marilla episode as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. That's about- the last thing I've got. Okay, all right, Marilla okay. Patriot Party, real quick. We'll do yeah, the Marilla yeah, Patriot quick. Party. I'm Two hundred and eighty nine people voted Marilla Patriot Party for judge. Okay, and Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, and Working Family Party, they all put their weight behind the winner. And congratulations to Taylor. Um, Earhart, I think that's how we pronounce the last name there, who left with 88.8% of the vote. You know, I, I think that the Marilla Patriot Party is going to have to go back again um, next year, the year after, keep building that vote share. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fifth party we need around here. Well, I, I think that uh, I think that next year, if you're running uh, for town council in West Seneca, do a uh, opposite ballot and do the Marilla Patriot Party in West Seneca. We, we should all be Marilla Patriots in every town. <laughs> We're all Marilla <laughs> Patriots today. Right. I, I'd be remiss, Brian, by the way. If Great way I, to close. Well, I'll, I'd be remiss. No, this might be one of Brian's other oh, favorite okay. topics. Right. Let, me, let me just real quick here. So I'd be, like I said, remiss if I didn't bring this up, Brian, because I was in Binghamton uh, with some friends of the pod over the weekend. Just got back today, actually. Used mattress capital of the world. Used mattress capital of the world. You find some great <laughs> deals. <laughs> But I saw so many signs for your favorite LaRouche party candidate, oh. Diane Sayre. Oh. Good Lord. Half a percent of the vote. You know, it's just everywhere. Like it, it just seemed like it was converging in the town of Chittawaga. I just saw lawn signs on Walden Avenue, on Transit Road, like all over the place. And the night before, you know, a close friend of mine, he tells me after the fact, but he throws in literature in my door. And I thought they were <laughs> canvassing my neighborhood. <laughs> but so I'm like, where did this come from? Nobody fesses up to him. He tells me a week. He's like, yeah, I found it in a laundromat. And I put it, I knew what I had to do immediately. <laughs> Something to that effect. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know how I treat people sometimes. Like I started this with the, with the Jack Hanna skit, you know? <laughs> so of, of course, you know, of course, this, some of this stuff is going to come back to haunt me, but uh, I really thought she was going to do better, but <laughs> I, of course, I didn't want her to win. I mean, but I thought she was going to do better than half a percent. Yeah, it's it's very funny. Binghamton's a lovely place. I, I I love it dearly. But it was the place I saw the first Lee Zeldin sign. If you remember, listener, yeah. back circa February, it was the first Lee Zeldin That's sign. Right. We actually passed that house this weekend. Still had the same Zeldin sign up. So they were true, true blue eyed believers of the Lee Zeldin cause. Diane Sayre, like I said, a ton of signs for the LaRouche party candidate, which if you're not familiar with Lyndon LaRouche was, uh, we're talking MAGA before MAGA, basically hard right wing conspiracy theory, Alec Jones stuff circa like 1960s. So it was batshit to see that anywhere on a ballot when I went to vote um, on election day. And certainly the signs are like ridiculous. So wanted to bring that up, but I think that wraps it up. I just want to. I want to give everybody. Uh, if you if you got a chance to take a, a ride, I know it's not leaf season anymore, and you're, so you're not going to be running this through the southern tier to take a good look. But if you take a drive down Route 60 
from like the 90 to Jamestown. In the town of Gary, which is spelled Jerry, but it's pronounced Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Gergage, a ho- Gary Gergage. There's a house um, that has a, a sign that says Trumpism or socialism. They're worried about which one we're going to pick. Uh, but they have three flags flying at their house, Brian. And uh, <laughs> there is, there is. Okay. I'm not exactly sure how they pick these three flags. One is the American flag. 50 stars, 13 stripes. That's mm-hmm. obvious. Okay. Makes sense. I picked that one. Okay. One. Red, white, and blue, though? It is red, white, and blue. Okay. okay. It's, yeah. yeah. One is the Confederates. Stars and bars. I wouldn't pick that one. That's, uh, I mean, that yeah. shouldn't be on a flagpole. Right. But in, in between those States. two on their flagpole is the Canadian flag. <laughs> nice. Hold on. <laughs> it's in the middle? It's in the middle. It goes at the top, the American flag. Right below it, oh. the maple leaf. And then below that, the stars and bars. What's going on there? <laughs> it seems like geographically they got the order mixed up. Well, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and also, I was like, wait, wait a second. Like, you're like, well, w- primary for us, the United States as a whole. Secondary, anti-socialism Canada. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They hate it up there. Yeah. And, and then below that... Uh, Traders. Is that a is, is is it a social commentary on nineteenth century <laughs> agricultural markets in North America? I'd, What's happening? It it almost made me drive off the road the first time I saw it. There's one store in Gary, it's the country fair, right on the highway. <laughs> yeah. Do they sell the flags there? You, maybe in that order. Maybe it's a three pack. You yeah, have to right, get all yeah. three at the same yeah. time. Maybe. You have to hang them. Well, Brian Nowak, uh, Chitawaga Town Council member, thank you for joining us here at the square, or should I say Jack Hanna? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jack. Yeah, he put on the hat. He's got the whole... By the way, listen, I know this is a, a not a visual medium, but picture, if you will, Brian Nowak dressed head he, to toe. He went all out. Yeah. In his finest Savannah outfit. Yeah. He, you know... Short of a pith helmet, but he... Reed, you really, got an Insta-pick. I really... Yes, I have a pick. We're going to put it up just so you see how delightful Brian is, so... Happy warrior, you know? You mm. got to find joy. That's uh, right. Come come, come to the Christmas party and see Brian there. I'm not wearing this at the Christmas party. No, well, but, you, but you do have a surprise for us, right? Not at the Christmas party. Oh, thank God. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, no, no. You guys are running an event. I don't want to ruin it. You know? Appreciate All right. that. All right. I, I don't think I'm ratcheting. I think this was pretty tame today. But uh, no, Brian will join us at the Christmas party. All your friends will be at the Christmas party. All your future friends will be at the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. All the cool people that you like and hear talk about politics will be there talking politics with I'll- you. All the LaRouche party candidates will be there. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Diane Sayre, her invitation got lost in the mail. Can but- I trade my ticket to someone else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you ask for a refund, we give that money directly to the LaRouche party. Yes. Right. So thanks, guys. Until next time. Off in the distance, rapidly advancing. It's an onslaught of sorts, young sirens wail in a skewed sense of glory and Cages roar to memory of the fight And there's a joy A joy in all I can see A joy In every possibility And all around this is a great, great failing American rockets Shady glenn and moss discussing triumph in passing, I am asked 
Possibility. 